Thanks for joining us at White Oak for this week's podcast. As we look at how God's servants applied that confidence in their walk with him. Our prayer is that this will encourage and strengthen your walk. So here we go. Our verses this week in Ephesians are chapter 5, 22 through 33. Paul writes, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as the church is the, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body. Now as the church submits to Christ, so wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his, his wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will, be, will become one flesh. The mystery is pro- profound, but I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about Christ in the church. To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the opportunity this morning to come into your house, you know, to join together, whether it's in the house physically or together streaming. But as we are joined together for this time, God, I, you know, I ask that you reveal your perfect will to each and every one of us. God, I ask that your spirit bears with us and gives us direction, you know, for the upcoming week. You know, how when we allow you to lead, how, how we submit, how when we allow you to guide us. You know, it's not just for that, for that very moment in time. You know, we can see that you've had a grand plan for our life. We can, we can see that foreknowledge that is written about in your word actually begin to come to life. And we, we can see that you have purpose and a perfect intention for each and every one of our lives this morning. So I ask as we go into your word this morning, Lord, that you reveal these things to us. Reveal them so that we will be able to understand them correctly. And it will strengthen our relationship and our walk with you. We ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. We'd like to welcome each and every one of you this morning. We thank you for joining us, whether it's here or, or streaming this morning. And Paul, ending the fifth chapter of Ephesians this morning, is he says that he's revealing a profound mystery. He's relating it to husband and wives. He's relating it so each and every one of us might possibly get it. But also, he's telling us that this is a profound mystery that we need to understand. That there needs to be a marriage. That there needs to be a covenant. Now, I think we did get started on this last week. But I think it's also important to bear in mind this morning that when he's writing to the church of Ephesus, you know, he's addressing two, two people, you know, the Jews and the Gentiles. Primarily, you know, in some sections... You know, they're divided up where he would, he'll address both sections. But however, a lot of times when he addresses these people, he expects them to be familiar with a certain area or certain scriptures. 
Because why? Because they're supposed to be the body of Christ. That's why when he, when he gives correction or when he gives encouragement or when he reminds them to do certain things and he tells them, look, Christ did this for each and every one of you. Or, you know, we are supposed to be the body of Christ. You know, and when he does this, he expects us to be familiar with certain concepts. Certain concepts that are going to, that are maybe ring a bell, that the Spirit will, you know, bear witness with us a little bit, you know, to strengthen and guide our walk. But in doing so, you know, there are certain things like throughout the Old Testament or, you know, when, when, when God has chosen a nation, God has a chosen people. You know, when God goes to Abraham and enters into the covenant with him, we, well, you know, there's a special, there's a select group of people. Well, so Paul this morning is telling us, whether it be Jew or Gentile, it doesn't matter anymore because when Christ, Christ came, he died, there's salvation for all. He even sent the message to the Gentiles. So what Paul is, wants us to be aware of this morning is that upon our acceptance of salvation, it's not just about us. While it does start with the individual, each and every one of us has to understand that we needed areas in our life that needs to be looked at. Travis gave us a great example this morning, 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter. And later on, before we close today, we're going to go to 1 Samuel and we're going to look at 17, 18, 19, and 20. Because where he started at this morning is a great example because Paul is going to use an example about the removing of a presence. The removing of his presence, to be specific this morning. And truthfully, there is not a better example than that than, than those, those certain chapters in 1 Samuel this morning. Probably 1 Samuel is probably one of my favorite books in the Old Testament. It's awesome. Whether it be San, Samuel and Hannah, or if we read on a little bit further, we, we, we get two perspectives of a king. And when Paul is talking about a removal of a spirit this morning, that's going to give us a perfect example of why this covenant is so, so important, particularly between us and God. Now, how this does start with an individual. This starts with us, between us and God. You know, we have to get our direction. We have to give our stuff straight. But Paul is saying when that happens, if we understand what we've been given, when we bring this over, when we come into a church, we need to understand that if we believe that God has a certain plan for our life, if, if we believe that he is our heavenly father, but he cares about us right here and now, that's why he's made all this preparation. Well, he's telling us if we understand that, you know, what are we supposed to be doing right now? You know, because we've already looked at in Peter and we've already looked at in, in Ephesians, how there's a foreknowledge, there's a predestination, not just, not, not just for eternity in heaven. But Paul says, and we're going to look at uh, Colossians this morning, briefly, that, that, he, that, he is, that he has preached the gospel. This is the gospel that I have preached. Well, upon preaching the gospel, well, what is our job as a body of believers? You know, why did Paul take all these missionary journeys why did Paul write all these letters you know of encouragement to Ephesians why did he write them to Timothy to encourage him tell him say look God has called you for this Tim Timothy you know 
you have a backbone. Sometimes you have to use it. You have everything you need, and everything you need is right here in his word. You know, and he wrote all these, wrote all these words of encouragement because when our life has been changed, when we say, I love you, Lord. When we say, I want to serve you, Lord. I'm going to be obedient. Then the, then the sacrifice must come with obedience. We must listen to him. We must submit to him. We must let him guide us. And Paul is writing these letters reminding the church of the importance of this. Because if we understand what God has done for each and every one of us, then we truly understand that how we have a relationship with our Heavenly Father and He loves us and it's individual, we understand that it's, 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 it's about more than us. You know, if, 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 we, if we understand just the general kind of outline of the book, book of Acts this morning, you know, Luke says that Jesus appeared to His disciples over a 40-day period. He would just show up many times when they needed him, whether they were just walking down a road or when they were, were in a room waiting. And he told his disciples, he said, wait, because wait here in Jerusalem because I'm going to send my spirit. We know, understanding in our lives this morning, if upon our acceptance of salvation, if, if Jesus, you know, gives us his spirit, you know, if all, if, if all we ever do is... Just keep what we've got inside. Yes, it, it's going to be nice to where, you know, we live a, a devote lifestyle. But understanding truly what the gospel is, understanding truly what salvation is, just keep in mind this morning, what about the very beginning of Acts, if when the Spirit came? Jesus tells them, I'm going to send you my Spirit, and you're going to accomplish all these great things. Because... That's why I have to leave, because when I leave, I'm going to send my spirit so that all these things can be accomplished. Well, let's just think when, when the spirit was sent, if them guys would have just stayed right there. You know, just think about this morning, if when the spirit was sent, the disciples, you know, were like, well, you know, this is truly awesome. You know, God has sent us his spirit. What an awesome gift. Where would we be with the book of Acts this morning? Yes, the obvious thing, well, there would have been a lot of disobedience, but that's not really the point this morning. See, throughout the book of Acts, we see journeys, we see trips, we see awesome sermons and messages preached by Peter and Paul. We see the power of the Spirit that Christ promised his disciples, his apostles. But you know what we also see? We see a lot of correct guidance. We see, we, we see Paul being shipwrecked. And we see the guidance of the Spirit versus the guidance of, of, of just normal people that don't hear the voice of the Lord, let's just say this morning. When Paul tells them, the Lord told me that each and every one of us need to stay on this boat and that they all might be spared. Well, if we, if we read in Acts, we find out that some of them didn't want to listen, some of them didn't trust, some of them didn't have faith in what they were doing. They're already trying to let the lifeboats down at the back of the boat, thinking that, this, you know, this is the only solution I have. This is the only solution I have. Well, when in all actuality, if it's rough enough where it's sinking a boat, what's a little dinghy going to do you when you get it in the water? You know, and luckily, Paul goes to the captain, and they end up cutting the lifeboat. And even when they become shipwrecked, Luke tells us that they all made it to shore. Whether they swam, they floated in on planks, 
Even the ones that couldn't swim, they all made it ashore. So the Lord's word was fulfilled. And Paul goes back and tells us, I've been shipwrecked, I've been beaten, I've been in prison. You know, I'm willing to boast about my weakness because in boasting about my weakness, I understand that in those times when I am weak, there is someone who has given me strength. You know, and this morning when we look at it and when we look at submission and obedience to Christ, how we, how we allow his perfect will to lead our life, you know, this morning I guess what I'm trying to say is when we start this morning is we allow the strength of the spiritual to strengthen the weakness of the physical. You know, we allow his spiritual strength in our time of weakness, you know, in that, that submission, what we do is when we submit unto his spirit, when we submit unto his perfect word, you know, when we accept that we don't always have all the answers and we let him lead us and we let him guide us, you know, in those moments right there, what we're doing is that physical that, that at one time maybe we thought we had all the answers for, we're allowing his spiritual perfection to strengthen that physical weakness this morning. You know, and that's what it's all about. When Paul, in ending up, and he tells us we need to understand this profound mystery that two are joined together, they become one flesh. Paul says, I want you to understand this because if you get that, you know, with your acceptance of salvation, and when you say, you know, I believe in Christ, I believe he died for my sins, I want to be baptized, you know, this, this, this has changed my life. Paul says, actually, you're entering into a covenant. It is holy, and it is sacred. And as we're going to look at in Colossians in just a minute, you know, this has made you holy. This has changed you and allowed, and allowed you to go before the Father. You know, whether you want to say you, you have been reclothed with holy garments or, or you know, how, however you want to put it this morning, what Paul is saying is, is that what we are given in Christ is special. And yes, we know that it has, it, 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 so many times it says it bankrupt heaven. You know, Christ, God sent his only son because he loved us. Not to condemn the world, but what through him the world might be saved. You know, and Paul says in understanding that we need to really put in perspective in our lives what we've been given. And when we begin to relate this this morning to the physical, how... When sometimes as men, we need direction or we can't see the obvious, we realize that God has given us an awesome lady to give us direction. Or sometimes if we're ladies, sometimes in our moment of weakness and guidance, if there's something that we can't accomplish, we know that God has given us the perfect man for us. See, the thing is, if we've never been put in that situation, you know, we can't just always say, well, God's testing me, God's testing me, God's testing me, God's testing me. There, there has to be a moment in our life when we look around and we, we begin to take inventory. You know, is there something we're missing? Or is there something that God's trying to show us? And see, the thing is this morning, if we never submit to his perfect will, if we never listen to his voice, it does no, it, it does no good to hear it if we don't act upon it. You know, just to hear him be like, well, thank you, Lord. If we never do anything after that, you know, we've, we've, really, we've really never accomplished nothing. You know, so it's important what Paul is writing us this morning of how the husband and the wife are supposed to be joined together 
how there was supposed to be a relationship, there's supposed to be an understanding, how there's supposed to be a submission and a helpmate joined together under one flesh. Paul says, I want you to get this this morning because I'm, I'm, I'm actually writing it in the physical perspective so that you will under it, understand it in the, spiritual perfect, in, in the spiritual perspective this morning, this, this profound mystery. And he says, you need to understand this. He said, because once you are joined to a body of believers, you're going to share that. You're going to be joined by that same cord. You're going, you're, going, you're, you're going to experience good times. You're going to experience bad times sometimes. But the thing is, you're going to be able to lift each other up. You should be in harmony. You should be one. Why? Because you're bound by that same covenant when we come together through Christ. Now, the Passion Translation from Ephesians 5, 29 through 33, it says, No one abuses his own body but pampers it, serving and satisfying its needs. That's exactly what Christ does for his church. He serves and satisfies us as members of his body. For this reason, a man is to leave his father and his mother and lovingly hold to his wife, since the two have become joined as one flesh. Marriage is the beautiful design of the Almighty, a great and sacred mystery meant to be a vivid example of Christ at his church. So every married man should be gracious to his wife just as he is gracious to himself. And every wife should be tenderly devoted to her husband. I think that's a good way to put it this morning. Marriage is the beautiful design of the Almighty, a great and sacred mystery meant to be a vivid example of Christ at his church. So his sacrifice for us, sacrifice our sin sacrifice out of complete and unconditional love, should make us want to submit into his leadership, read his word, and allow his spirit to reveal all these things to us. You know, and it doesn't matter how we go, and we've looked at, you know, a whole lot of how this is impossible to try to just take it at face value and lead, lead the, the, the spirit out of it. Once again, if we go back to Acts, Jesus made blatantly obvious that his disciples needed to wait. You know what? His disciples didn't understand. There's a lot of times we don't understand. You know, but you know what they did? They just waited. They just listened. You know, they asked a lot of questions when Jesus was around. You know, we, we ask a lot of questions many times ourselves. You know, the most important thing is, is when we are told to do something, that we hear it and we act upon it, even if it means just to wait, just to stop, just to listen, just to be prepared. You know, I've told you all these things. Paul continues to write, I've told you all these things. So either you would be prepared, you would be on guard, you would be aware. You know, sometimes it's just waiting so the Lord can adjust things so that we can succeed. Or waiting so for his perfect will so that we can realize something ourselves. Because we understand all these things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. Well the, well, the thing is, so many times, those things that work together for the good, God has great intentions for us. He wants us to be aware of certain things. He wants us to see certain things this morning. So that not only we can gain confidence in Him, but our relationship will also be strengthened through that walk. So Paul says, all this He does for us. It is designed to make us mature. If we, go, if we go up one verse in 28, he tells us all this stuff, this, this, this marriage that we need to understand that is beautifully designed by God. You know, even, even the, the physical attribute of the covenant. You know, when a man 
and woman are joined together as one flesh. If all this is done correctly, if, if we get the spiritual correct first and allow the spiritual to lead, to join the physical, he tells us that all this is designed to make us mature. And it's not just for our pleasure, it's for his pleasure. Because he's the head of the church, right? You know, if we, if we go to Galatians, the fifth chapter, the first verse this morning, Paul tells us how we can experience true freedom. And you know what? It's not how we define freedom. But Jesus spent a lot of time, as we looked at weeks before, on trying to get his disciples to visualize the kingdom realm the way it should be. He says it's, 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 it's not the way that you view it physically. Well, let's go to 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter this morning. David. And let's move on to 18, 19, and 20. You, you, you know what the big issue was? It was that we want a king to be like all the other nations. And Samuel's point was what he continually asked the people was that do you truly understand what you're asking for? Because the one that cares for you, the one that has brought you in into this covenant, the one that had, you know, the one that loves you and takes care of you, he doesn't treat you like the king from all the other nations do. Yes, there is correction. But that is for your own benefit, so, you, so you, won't, you won't go away from it, so that he can take care of you. And Paul tells us in Galatians, Galatians this morning that the reason we need to be joined, and you know what he goes on to tell us is, he says the issue is, is that the, what the flesh likes, it fights the spirit. And what the spirit is supposed to do in the will of the spirit, it's going to fight the flesh. So there's got to be, there is a, there is a blatant division there's a blatant difference between the two and Paul says if you want to truly understand what freedom is there must then you must submit because what he's going to do in your life isn't going to be what you want to do because if it was what we wanted to do we would have never we would have never come to God and say God you know what I really need this covenant because you know what the freedom that I thought I experienced. When I wanted to be like all the other nations and I wanted a king because they all had one and I thought it was the right thing to do. That just didn't work out too good. And Paul tells us that if you want to experience true freedom, that you've got to submit to his perfect will. Because if not, you know what we're going to be? There's a reason why the spirit fights the flesh. Because the only thing the flesh truly knows is sin. And there's got to be that process of perfection going on. And the only way that process of perfection goes on is when we allow the spiritual, the correct spiritual, our Father's spirit to do those things in our life. And that's when it takes hold. So in, in Colossians, the first chapter, Paul writes that we are made holy through Christ. Our salvation grants us a reconnection, he says, that covenant. So Colossians 1, 21 through 22 this morning. He says, even though you were once distant from him, living in the, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, he, he reconnected you back to himself. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. So let's just take dwelling in his presence and stick over there so when we can go to... We can go to 1 Samuel this morning. 
He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. And now there is nothing between you and Father God, for he sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. Verse 23, if indeed you continue to advance in faith, assured of a firm foundation to grow upon, never be shaken from the hope of the gospel you believed in. And this is the glorious news I preach all over the world. So I preach this so that everyone will realize it. And that's what Paul tells us. He says we need to understand as a body of believers that, number one, before anything can go outside these walls, there has to be unity on the inside. This effect has to take place individually because we first got to, uh, to realize it in our own lives. And then each and every one of us in the body, we have to realize, you know what? We might not always be right. Sometimes, you know, when he speaks about the physical of marriage between a man and woman, how we've been joined together in one flesh, you know, sometimes as men, we need to realize that God has given it his great woman to put up with our stuff sometimes because, you know what? Sometimes we do mess that are ignorant. Sometimes we need a little bit of direction, right? But see, here's the issue. He says, he released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf. So that what? So that we could dwell in his presence. So it has to be a constant thing, right? There has to be a relationship. We got to work at it. We've got to put something into it. Oh, but see, here's the thing. Let's go on one more. He says, and now there is nothing between you and Father God. For how does he see us? For he sees us as holy, flawless, and restored. Now, see, we should look at that for a minute. We should, we should say, you know what, that, that's got to be impossible. Because how could that be? Because regardless if sometimes we have a little bit of arrogance or sometimes if we don't want to admit it or sometimes, we, you know, there's a moment in our life when, when, God realizes, when we realize that God has placed this man or this woman with us because he loves us, because we'd be lost without him. You know, that, that, that covenant. You know, see, that physical covenant will bring that spiritual covenant alive, but see, that, that, that physical covenant will, will never last without a spiritual basis. And see, and, and if we realize that God has placed this man or this woman with us, number one, we're going we're gonna to begin to see how much he truly cares for each and every one of us. Out of all the people in the world, God knew this person would be best qualified for me, would complete me. Just like, what does he say? Payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. So there's got to be a covenant. There's got to be a connection. There's, 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 there's got to be work put in. So that we may dwell in his presence. David said, so that I may dwell in your house forever and ever. Amen. So that I may dwell in your presence. See, David got it. Paul and Peter are going to reference David of how he wrote about in Psalms Christ. And now there is nothing between you and Father God, for he sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. And see, for some reason, that just has got to seem impossible, because how in the world did we even come to the notion that we needed God? Because there was something missing, right? Paul says what, what you need to do is you need to put in perspective of what you have been granted. Paul says what you need to do, you need to put in perspective what that covenant truly means. You need to understand how this only works one way. There is only one covenant. 
And that covenant is never going to work unless you dwell in his presence. Galatians 5, the spirit is going to fight the flesh because God loves you. That spirit is going to continually fight the flesh, and he does it for you. We have an advocate to the Father. You know, we, we, he paid for our sins for that sacrifice for a very specific reason, because he loves us. So this right here is the only way. And now there is nothing between you and Father God. He sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. And I think <clears throat> when we read that verse, if we really truly understand it, you know, it's just like love your neighbor as yourself. The hardest thing in the world. Now, if you go to town, somebody rips you off, you don't know that person. You know, you'll gripe, you'll grumble, but you'll eventually let it go, right? You don't even know who they are. You might even say, Lord, bless them. They might need you. You know what I mean? <laughs> In that moment, we might need Jesus, right? All right, so, but when we understand that we have a friend, when we understand that we have someone that cares for us, we understand that we have someone that we love or that we have put a lot of work in the relationship. What happens when there is betrayal on those levels? And see, if we go back to the Old Testament, that's, we're starting to get into the issue now when, when we begin to talk about a covenant, when we begin to talk about love. While we can look at this and understand, and now there is nothing between you and Father God for he sees you as holeless and flawless. See, what God did to us even though there was, there was lack in relationship, there was lack in work, that, you know, there was more flesh. Because there was a moment in each and every one of our lives where we, we just didn't know any better because we had not heard. Paul says, I, I preach, this is the gospel that I preach. This is the gospel I want everybody to hear. Why? Because when we can understand that we need to dwell in his presence, even if we don't fully get it yet. You know, we understand that, you know what, I'm just going to dwell in his presence. We're allowing that perfection to begin its work in our life. And it doesn't even matter. You know, we're going to go to John, and in John this morning, it is the most simplest verse in the world, but I think it is one of the most profound things John has ever written. John wrote a lot of good stuff. That's a, that's a big statement for John. I mean, John is the one that just took the, the earth part out of his gospel and just brought Jesus right in. You need to understand who this man is. The word became flesh and dwelled among us. You know, that's mighty profound. But the simplicity of what John writes is truly amazing. You know, and when we, and when we understand that there are times that we need direction, when we understand that there are times when we are not holy, when we're not flawless, and that we need to be restored. But yet, you know what? He loves me enough that he allows me to dwell in his presence. So why? So that these things can happen. Because why? He loves us. So, and when we begin to, to, to view what God has done for each and every one of us this morning, when we begin to view that on the perspective of, well, man, he loves me this much, that should kind of, that should kind of, that, that should give us, the push in the right direction, let's say. Paul uses the words persuade, and I think it's awesome because, you know what, each and every one of us, sometimes we want to do just what, what I want to do. And I think that is the correct word to use because, you know what, you can tell people till you're blue in the face about how awesome 
Jesus really is. You can tell people to your blue in the face that, you know, God will, will redirect your life. God will, will re rearrange your footsteps. But you know what? It's never going to matter until you get to that point to where what? There is, that you submit. It's, you, and, and even if you say you believe, there's not going to be a change until that you would dwell in his presence. That's when things are, are going to begin to change. Why? Because that spirit is going to begin to fight that flesh. And you know what? There's going to be moments when it is really going to suck. But there are going to be moments that when all this is said and done, we're going to look back and you'll be like, you know what? That man right there, he's, my father did this for me. My father has literally rearranged these things. We're going to see that predestination come to life in our own life. And that's possible because he has our best intention in it. You know, so when we read the Old Testament and we just look at Israel doing what they want to do or they want to be like all the other nations, and when Paul writes about in Romans how, how God, God, you know, God's son, you know, justified the sin and uses all these big legal words to try to explain it so we would get it. See, it's more than that because we understand that all the way back to Abraham, what God did to bring these people in, what God's master plan was, it just, it, 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 just, it just didn't stop with his people. You know, this was for the whole world. Abraham didn't even have a clue. He just had awesome faith. That's what Hebrews tells us. You know, Paul is saying you need to look at the preparation of what God has done for each and every one of us to even graft into the Gentiles. Because this has just got bigger. Look what God has revealed right now to, to each and every one of us. That's what he's writing, telling the church in Ephesus. He said, look what's happening all around us. You know, so that we all may, we all may dwell in the Spirit. We all may dwell in His presence. And that we may appear before God as holy, as righteous. This is the only way it works, he says, to have communication with the Father. I think Joseph Prince said, says it best. I was watching him speak one night, and he said, you need to understand what, what happens when that veil is torn. He says, now you can call him daddy. You know, and that's when Jesus tells his disciples how to pray, what did he tell them? He says, call him father. Call him father. Why? Because if there's a covenant, there is a relationship. And in that covenant and in that relationship, if you dwell in his presence, even though you, you might not do everything perfect sometimes, there is love. And you can appear before him as holy because you are covered by the blood of Christ. So just as the same with our marriage physically, you know, it must be mature this morning. And there's only way to make our physical marriage mature the spiritual has to be involved. Christ has to be involved. You know, yes, we need to put in love. We need to put in trust. We need to, with time, we need to build all these certain things. But what Paul is telling us is, if you understand that there needs to be a relationship, if there, there needs to be this covenant. You know, if, if you understand these things, you know, and you understand that you needed Christ some, sometimes in your life. If we go to Colossians, he doesn't say sometimes. He says that there must, you, you must continue to dwell in his spirit. You must continue to dwell in his presence. See, you know what? I think of all, Travis went to 1 Samuel this morning, and I told you I would. And, you know, I, I could read 
a bunch more of notes, and I could read a bunch more of this, but the best example we can get is in 1 Samuel. I'm going to be honest with you. 1 Samuel 17, 18, 19, 20, 17, David fights Goliath. And what we see is we begin to see a progression. I love 1 Samuel. Like I said, it's probably one of my favorite books in the Old Testament because I think the book just starts out strong. I really do. It, it had, Samuel is, a, is an awesome servant of God. His mother. Well, let's be honest. Let's talk about a covenant relationship before we even get into David this morning. You know, it says that she wanted a child. She was barren. And it, sometimes as men, we don't know what to tell our wives when we don't know the answer. So he would, uh, Samuel's father would keep giving her a double portion, and that would just make things worse. She would, she, would, she would cry even more. It made the system worse. He didn't know what to do. You know what I mean? But what it says, she went to the temple, and she laid everything out before God. Some of them weren't even translate as resentment. Well, you know, there ain't no need to hide it. If we're going to dwell in his presence, if she was in the temple, or if there's supposed to be a relationship in a covenant, you just seem to tell daddy everything. He already knows, don't he? So she goes in the temple, and she lays it all out. Look, this woman is taunting me. It makes me mad, God. I don't understand why. So much to the point that Eli thinks that she's drunk. She even explains herself to Eli. She could have just got up and walked out, but she respected him. But see, the most important part, I think, of this story is after she tells God everything and does everything. See, if we want to understand how two can be joined, the, the flesh joined as one, and why is that as important? See, it's once she leaves the temple, she just doesn't leave. If we understand what the two did together the next day, they came and worshiped before they left and they went home. See, there was an understanding. There was faith together. And after that, it says that God opened Hannah's womb. All right, so if we, if we move on, we know Samuel would be born. He would be called. He would anoint two kings. Now everyone is fully aware of Saul, and everyone is fully aware of David. Obviously. I know we've, that's, that's the horse we've kind of beat to death. But I do think it's important this morning when we talk about a covenant relationship, I don't really think you could, you could not address this. This is probably the best example in the Bible probably. And I think it's fair to say, before we even start, is that God gave his people exactly what they wanted. Their words to God was, their words to Samuel to be spoken to God was, we want a king so that we can be like all the other nations. God, that's all we want. God, that's all we want. What did Samuel tell him? Samuel continually warned him, you don't understand what you're asking for. Just like Jesus told his disciples. You know, you look at a ruler as someone who lords himself over you. You know, he, he does nice things, but that's just, he has his only intentions at heart. Samuel told, Samuel told the people, said, you, you don't understand what you're asking for. He's going to tax you. He's going to send your children off to war. They said, we don't care. We want to be just like all the other nations, and we want our own king. Samuel says, you have a king. No, nah, we want a physical king. We don't, we want something we can see, we can touch. You know, we don't want anything we can feel spiritually. You know, see that dwelling in the presence. See, that's one thing when we begin to look at 18, 19, and 20, something becomes very evident. 
See, when, when Saul, you know, well, Saul was looking for a donkey, right? Let's be honest. He was walking down the road one day, and he runs into Samuel, and he is called to be king. See, God, God gave them exactly what they wanted. He looked just like a king. He was strong. He was from the right tribe. If you went to a lineup or if you went to the store and wanted to buy something that fits your description, guess what? God said, all right, here you go. I think that's fair to look in our life sometimes, how we really, you know, God teaches us lessons. Now, granted, this was a massive lesson, you know, but I think sometimes God loves us enough where he, he places things in our life and he gives us a direction just so we can see how much he loves us. You know, sometimes we're allowed to fail because that's the only way we, we, we can learn. When we write that we must constantly dwell in his presence, if we go back to Colossians, or, or that we may appear, you know, as holy and flawless before his eyes. Sometimes, you know, God needs to place us. Sometimes God needs to redirect us. Sometimes we just got to fall flat on our face. And as men, it's a good thing God has given us a wife that, that loves us and that will support us. That reminds us about the Bible. See, that's why two need to be joined as one. So, we understand that Saul just would do good for a little bit. And then, well, let's be honest, he just wouldn't dwell in the presence, would he? He would leave for war because he didn't want to wait on Samuel. He didn't want to wait on God. You know, we, we want to do just what we want to do. Sometimes we might think that God's not working fast enough. You know, this just doesn't look like it fits where it needs to fit. You know, Saul wanted to keep things because in disobeying God, he, just, he wanted to keep things because he's like, ah, and then he wanted to lie about it, right? Oh, and Samuel, I mean, come on. I mean, let's be honest. You think the, you think the man of God is not going to bust you. But see, it's, it's not about that. And see, what Paul wants us to understand this morning is it, it's not about trying to get by or it's not, it's not trying to hide. It's... it's it, you know, when you're in a covenant relationship and you dwell in that presence, everything is exposed. We are completely honest. You know, when Hannah went to the altar and laid it all out before God, she told him everything. And see, that was the issue. You know, this relationship only works if there is a, is a true covenantal relationship, if we continually dwell in, the, dwell in his presence. And see, that's something Saul just never got. That's why he wasn't God's choice. He might have looked like a king. The people thought he would, he would act like the king. But we also find out as we move on that the presence of the Lord was removed from Saul. And that's when things started to go downhill really quickly for him. And I think, and you know, also, I think it's safe to say this morning, it's when we say, well, Saul was the people's choice. Saul was the people's choice. Let's be honest. How long did it? Chapter 17, David kills Goliath. It didn't take too long after that. For what did the people start to chant? You know, Saul has slain his thousands. David is ten thousands. Saul has slain his thousands. David is ten thousands. You know, why? Because David now was, was feeling the perspective, right? See how, 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 how quickly we gravitate. You know, and see, see, that's the issue. That's with, with that relationship and dwelling in the presence. How, how quickly when something, something just in the spirit fighting the flesh from Galatians, 
See, that's, that's the issue right there. Because how quickly is it to move from one to another when someone fulfills an expectation? You know, and Paul tells us if we're not careful in that marriage or that covenant, you know, you'll, you'll be went after the wrong expectation. And you'll damage that relationship. That's why it might not be popular. That's why, it's, that's why that, that spirit fights that flesh to keep us in his presence so that we may dwell. And when we look at the, the perspective between Saul and David this morning, David got that. If we read the Bible, it never says that David was perfect. But if we go back to Colossians this morning, I think it is fair if we read it one more time. He releases his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. And now there is nothing between you and Father God, for he sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. If you read Psalms, there's a lot of restoration in, in, in some of them songs. I'm just going to be honest with you. And while David was never perfect, we do know there is only one perfect one. And that's why we, we need to continually dwell in his presence. But, you know, I will tell you this this morning, going, going to 1 John. There is one thing that David got. And in closing, I want to read this verse of scripture this morning because, to me, there's a lot of good verses in the Bible. You know, in whatever, whatever area we need to apply them in their life, they work perfectly. But when I came across this in 1 John, it's a verse that many of us know. And when I, first, when I probably start reading it, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But see, the thing is, this is what David got. And Saul never did. When Paul writes in Colossians and David writes in Psalms, Old and New Testament, so that I may dwell in your house. And when Paul writes, you know, you must dwell in his presence. It never says that, that, that David was a perfect man. No, it says that David was a chosen king by God, a king after God's own heart. Why? Because even though he was not perfect, that's why we can relate to him when we read all this. He got one simple fact. He got one thing. And when we begin to dwell in the presence of the Lord, we will find out that he is more than enough for each and every one of our failures this morning. And this morning in closing, I want us to go to 1 John 2, 1 through 2. This is the simplicity of this, I'm sorry, is just so profound because this is literally all we have to do. And you know what John is doing? John, once again, is writing this as a reminder to each and every one of us. He says, you are my dear children, and I write these things to you so that what? So that you won't sin. But if anyone does sin, we continually have a forgiving Redeemer who is face to face with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is, the atoning, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So Paul, this morning when he says, this is the gospel I preach, this is the good news, this is why I preach. Because when we come into the body, when we enter into that relationship, when we allow that spiritual guidance, when we submit, it's not just for us. It's to benefit the whole body. It's so that the whole body will succeed. Because whether it's Paul telling you, I write these things so that you may understand, or John says, 
Children, I write you these things so that you may not sin. Why? But if you do, because you're not perfect, you know that you may be a king, a, a king chosen after God's own heart, but we get a good perspective how so, why so importantly, David wrote, so that I may dwell in your presence. Lord, you know what? Search those hidden areas in my life and expose them. Why? Let that spirit fight that flesh. Keep me in that covenant. Allow me to go before you. Keep that covenant relationship. Paul tells us as a body of believers this morning, though, that there needs to be unity brought through that covenant relationship, spiritual unity. We need to listen. We need to allow them to lead us. We need to let that, that perfection begin its work in our life. Because John tells us very specifically, if we get one thing, that Jesus Christ was just not for us. Jesus Christ was not just the atoning sacrifice just for us. John says, children, I write you these things so that you may not sin. But if you do, we have an advocate before the Father. Why? Paul says in Colossians, going back to it again, so we would be pure, holy. John says, he's not just for you. He came for the sins of the whole world. John three sixteen, Christ came so not to condemn the world, but what? The world through him, what? Might be saved. And Paul says, if you get that and you appreciate, and you appreciate what Christ has done for you in your life, that's why that unity in the body, because it has to happen here before it can go out. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word. And we ask for guidance as we go out into this, this week. God, I, you know, I ask that you strengthen the walk of each and every one of us. You know, the, the dwelling in your presence. You know, it's, it's not that it just makes a really great song because it is based upon your word. You know, it's a necessity so that we can succeed. You know, whether it's Paul in the New Testament, a king after, your own, after you know, your own heart, who did have issues, just like each and every one of us. You know, but there was forgiveness because his heart longed for you. And he knew he couldn't do it without you. So, Father, I ask as we walk out into this week this morning, that there is guidance, that there is direction, that you illuminate that path, God. You know, that, 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 we re, that reminder to remain in your presence because it's not that we don't love you, but sometimes we might just get sidetracked because life is life. That's why we long to be with you one day in heaven because things right now might not always be perfect, and we might not always be perfect, but we do know that we are made holy your sacrifice if we submit and we let you lead and guide us there is success we ask all these things in your son's name and give you praise honor and glory amen thanks for worshiping with us this week we believe his words will establish that confidence within you and direct you for his predestined purpose for your life See you next week, and don't forget to download our app so you can stay connected with us.